Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. And I want to talk to you. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Acts 2, and then we're going to be in Ephesians 5. But I want to talk to you about the fact that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's just say that, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand that when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. You can't even say that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says, without the Spirit. Many years ago, I was coming after service and going out to the front, greeting people, and this lady stopped me. And she said, "Uh, good morning. It's my first time here. I said, oh, good morning. She said, who is Jesus? And I thought... Uh, wow, okay, who is Jesus? I said, well, he's my Lord and my Savior. He died on a cross. He shed his blood so that we could all be forgiven. And those who believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He rose again from the dead and he lives in my heart. She says, I'll be back next week. (laughs) And I said, ma'am, can I ask you why you asked me those questions? She said, well, I was taught that no one can say that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit, and I wanted to see whether or not you had the Holy Spirit. And I thought, wow, how smart. Because she wanted to make sure I wasn't just a theorist talking about the Savior, but that I was a practitioner, that I walked with him, that that I knew him, that I believed in him, and that I was willing to confess him before men. In this case, a woman. Acts 2. Suddenly the sound like a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Notice they weren't mimicking each other, but they were enabled or empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak that which they never spoke before, to speak that which they never spoke before. And now there were staying in Jerusalem at that time, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a, a crowd began to gather. They were bewildered because each one heard their own language being spoken. Isn't this amazing? The Holy Spirit falls on them, and all of a sudden, people that were, oh, from California were speaking Wisconsin. (laughs) No, actually, people that were, well, they were Galileans and Mesopotamia and, 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 and Phrygia and Asia and Pontus. And all of a sudden, we hear them speaking in languages that they should not normally be speaking because the Holy Spirit enabled them. And what did they do? They were speaking the praises of God. They were speaking the praises of God and some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much vino. Yeah, they've been drinking too much wine. Now, that's important to remember because we're going to talk about that in a moment. What happened in that upper room was a rushing, mighty wind. The, the word wind is uh, pneuma. It's where we get pneumatic from. It was the, the wind, or some have translated it was the breath of God. Which, which reminds us of John 20, 21 and 22. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he 
he what? He, he breathed on them. Kind of weird. But then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Now, now think about this. He breathed on them, and it wasn't long after that they felt a wind in the room that made them connect with what happened in John 20 when they're locked in this room uh, for fear of their lives. But it went all the way back to the creation of man where God made this little Little, little clay being, put two holes in it and breathed into this being, not the New Testament word pneuma, but the ruach, the spirit of God, the breath of God caused this being to come alive. And somehow Jesus is bringing back the very creation of man saying, look, I want you to understand, I'm breathing on you just like God breathed to create man. I'm breathing upon you to create something in you that you don't have on your own. You will be enabled, and the Holy Spirit will do something in you and through you that you cannot do by yourself. In Acts 1.8, he said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive power when he's there to be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would, please, or a Bible app, or whatever you do to read the Bible, Ephesians 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair back in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that one home with you. And as I always say, if you're going from church to church collecting Bibles, please leave it here. Okay. But everything exposed, Ephesians 5, 13, by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And that is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now watch this. Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Anybody want to say, I get it. They're evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Debauchery simply means all kinds of craziness and loss of control and evilness and things we won't want to talk about in church. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Kind of interesting, he uses a negative experience to talk about a positive experience. He says, do not be drunk with wine. Now, every time I bring this up, which is very rare, I always get a text or an email. Why are you picking on wine? I am not picking on wine. I know it's a Santa Rita Hills. I know we have the wine ghetto. I know all about the wine industry. I don't drink wine. It's just my choice. You don't want to see me with any alcohol in my system. Okay? I'm a kind of a wild guy as it is. So I, I've got enough. Now, that, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't drink wine. Paul doesn't even say that. What he does say is don't let wine control you. Good morning. See, rather, watch, negative experience, somebody who's had too much alcohol, negative experience, they're slurring the, their speech, they're not able to control themselves. We'll talk more about that in a moment. He uses the negative, now catch the positive, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, what alcohol could do for you to cause you to do something that you would surrender yourself to the control of something else, another substance, rather, let the Holy Spirit control you. 
and then be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of Spirit and sing and make music in your heart to God. This is the result of the Spirit living in you. We should be the most joyful people on the planet. And it really is sad. We don't smile very much. It's sad. I go around and see Christians like this, you know? I got horrible posture. I've been playing drums all my life, and so I, I got this... The slouch thing. I try to stand up straight, but man, I, I, I love to smile. I love to look in people's eyes and see that their lights are on in somebody's home. And there's some Christians, you know, like, woe is me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll eat some worms. Why? We'll talk more about that if we have time. So let me just say this to you quickly. Get your pens out, your pencils. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Everyone does. You cannot be saved without the activity of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that convicts us. He's the one that illuminates things to us. He's the one, like in Kelsey's story, says to her on a mountaintop, give your life to Christ, calls her into ministry, and speaks the word Wisconsin. Like, where did that come from? She wasn't even eating cheese, and she heard that. It's what happens to us, like when Romans 9, uh, 10, 9 and 10 says, you believe in your heart, you confess with your lips, Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, and he brings the Holy Spirit with him. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings Jesus with him. It's really cool. And the Father says, this is so great. Two parts of me are now in them. And he says, I think I'll go too. And all three of them come. We're Trinity kind of people. Ephesians 5, 18 says, this is a command, be filled with, come on, the Spirit. Be filled. Number two, the Holy Spirit does not have every believer. <laughs> every believer has the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't have every believer. What do I mean by that? He's fighting for room. He's fighting to be heard. He's moving to try to fill us. And uh, you know what filling is. Let's go back to the wine thing. You, you've had too much alcohol. It could be beer, by the way. I'm an equal opportunity alcohol talker. It could be beer. It could be peppermint schnapps. I don't know what it is. But have you ever been filled with something? Uh, Luke 4, just real quick, says that the religious leaders were filled with rage. It's the same word. Be filled with the Spirit. The same word, filled with rage. You ever been filled with resentment? Acts 13, 45 says certain Jews resented the success of Paul and Barnabas' ministry. They were filled with jealousy, it says. Jealousy consumed them. It permeated their being. See, the scriptural usage of this term is to be overcome by a power greater than your own. To be overcome by a power greater than your own. To be taken over by a power greater than your own. And it's the question of how will I live to glorify God as, while I'm here on this earth? Well, what kind of a difference can I make? It's to be filled is like... Like, let me use this illustration. It might help you. Have you ever hurt a part of your body so much that all the focus went to that part of your body? Like, if you hurt your thumb hitting it with a hammer, in that moment, it's like the only thing that exists on your being is that thumb. You know? You ever broke a bone? And I mean, a real, you just really, you know, I, I broke my ankle years ago in, in several places, and it was hold, held on by the skin. Come on. And, and my, my toes went all the way back to my calf, and... It was, it was just wonderful. It was just wonderful. All I could think about was that. Everything went to that which was painful. Everything, I was filled with pain, and it was my ankle. Hey, my left hand was just fine. I could, my eyes were fine. I had no headache. Even if I had a headache, I didn't know I had a headache because this was a bigger ache. Come on. Whatever you're filled with starts to come out of you eventually, 
And so when he says, be filled with the Spirit, he says, I'm giving you this command. Just, just write it down. It is a command. It's a command. Not God saying, would you think about this? This might be something you want to add to your life. It's commanding language. But notice, be filled. We have a part in this. If we choose not to be filled, if we want to be filled with ourselves or with the religious leaders, we want to be filled with anger or rage or malice, we have that option and it will overtake us. See, God is the source of our filling, number two. God is the source of our filling. So some of you may wonder why, why I brought this milk out here, because sometimes cold milk, man, I don't know if you like milk. If you don't, I'm sorry. You should try it. This is Hershey's, cheap chocolate syrup. It's cheap. Not really good chocolate, it's cheap chocolate. So this is the story, right? This is our story today. The chocolate I put in here is just like the Holy Spirit inside of each of us. Let's pretend we're in sixth grade Sunday school, okay? This is the illustration. So the Holy Spirit is, 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 is inside of us, and we know He's with us. Sometimes we hear Him. Sometimes He speaks through our conscience. He convicts us of things. Sometimes He brings to remembrance scriptures we learned long ago. Sometimes we have conversations with people, and you go, whoa, I just said that? And you say a word to somebody that helps them, positive. You give some advice to somebody, you go, where did that come from? You know? And if, if you have friends or you're married, you have a spouse, they're with you, you go, whoa, that was really good, you should write a book. Yeah, well, I, I don't even know where it came from. You know, that, that's what the Holy Spirit does. But, 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 but here's what's, what's missing. When we are filled, we all have the Holy Spirit, or he couldn't be saved. But when we're filled with the Spirit, He starts to permeate us. And that's what I think is missing with so many people today. They've not allowed the Holy Spirit to permeate them. But that word, be filled, is a continual word. It's like I'm stirring this and making this clanging noise. Paul the Apostle says, would you fan into flame? Would you stir up the gifts that are in you through the laying on of hands? Would you take that Holy Spirit that's in you and would you say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me, permeate me, change me. Otherwise, he's there hanging out. I don't want the Holy Spirit to just hang out. I don't want him just hanging around the church saying, oh, it's good, good music today. Good music. No, I, I want the Holy Spirit to fill us in such a way that we sing songs to God and God hears us. See, that's the intention of our worship. It's not just to go through a set of songs and go, that was cool. Boy, Pastor B was playing the tom-tom really hard. Whoa, I didn't like that one song. Whoa, get over it. What we all should be doing by the power of the Spirit is saying, Lord, I get to sing to you with other believers in this room. Would you fill me in such a way that my song glorifies you? That my smile encourages someone? that my comments to somebody as they leave this morning would bless someone. When I pick up my kids from the Sunday school teacher or the, or the nursery, that I say thank you to them. And there's something not just of a cordialness or, a, or a, 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 a kindness, but there's something of the Spirit, even in the words that we speak, because He's permeated us. But here's the deal. Be filled is a continual word. I have to rise up each day and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. But don't just show up and sit here. I want you to fill me from the inside out. 
I don't want to just have the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to have me. Good morning. And it is the filling is for all believers. It is for every day. And it's not just a once and for all filling. It is a continual present tense, continuous action in the Greek that means it is one baptism. He comes and baptizes you, but many fillings. I've been filled with the Spirit many times. This is so cool. Why? Because I fill myself with me, and I fill myself with other people, and I fill myself with life, and you do and I do. We've got lives to live and, and things to do and stories to hear and places to go and work to do and bills to pay and taxes to deal with and you know, just you name it. And that's why we need to pause long enough and say, Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me every day. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word boldly. God gave them not only an enablement in Acts 2 to speak tongues that they never spoke before, but he gave them in Acts 4 the ability to speak the word of God boldly without fear. In that time, you know so well, if you preach the word of God, you could get stoned. I got to be careful. I just talked about wine. Now I'm talking about getting stoned, but <laughs> you get stoned to death or be thrown in prison because you declared that Jesus Christ is Lord, the word of God. And they began to Preach boldly. Acts 9, 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered in, placing his hands on Saul. This is Saul who's going to be the apostle Paul. This is Paul who wrote in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. Why did he write that? The Holy Spirit told him to write that. But why did he write that? He also experienced it. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, road to Damascus, as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, Saul, God is doing something in you, but you need to be filled. He needs to permeate your being. He needs to take you and make you what you can't be on your own. So back to our, our, our wine analogy. You knew I'd come back to that. Paul contrasts the effect of the Holy Spirit with the state of drunkenness. And uh, according to the Journal of American Medicine, alcohol is a depressant. It, here's the word they use, it loosens people because it depresses their self-control. It loosens their wisdom, their ability to balance life and even balance themselves. It removes your judgment. That's why when people who have been drinking are driving a vehicle, their reaction time is different. It's been proven. If you've never worn uh, DUI goggles, you should try it. I've worn them many times. I'm, I'm part of the Every 15 Minutes program uh, for the last 16 years with Lompoc and Cabrillo. And uh, we talk to young people about not drinking and driving or getting in a car with someone who does. A young student said to me, I don't drink or drive, but my mom does. She picks me up drunk all the time. I said, get out of the car. She makes me get in. I said... Take a taxi, call Uber, get a lift, walk, don't get in the car. And uh, we worked through that with her. But what we found out was every time her mom drank too much, she became a really angry drunk. Some people are happy drunks. Some people are angry drunks. The point that Paul is making here, talking about drunkenness, is the fact that 
Something else is now controlling you. It's something that is taking over your being. To be overcome by a power greater than your own. To be taken over by a power greater than your own. And another thing, too, I, I want to just say before we move on, is some people think, well, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit, so therefore I'm better than you. You know, there are some people that don't believe that the Holy Spirit works anymore today. Some believe he works, but he doesn't bring gifts anymore today, that the gifts died with the apostles. And I don't believe any of that hogwash. I think the Holy Spirit is not relegated to our doctrine or our theology or to a time or space. I think the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. He can give us wisdom. He can give us knowledge. He can heal people through us, the gift of healing. I prayed for people and they got healed. I don't have the gift of healing, but I did in that moment because somebody needed to be healed. I prayed for people and I got sick. So, you know, sometimes that's the way it goes, right? But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he can give to you whatever gift is necessary for the moment. Don't limit him on what he can or cannot do. And never feel that you're better or superior than someone because you have the Holy Spirit and they don't, or they don't believe that way. See, being filled with the Holy Spirit in your notes does not make you better than others. It just makes you better than you. Come on. It just makes you better than you. If I was a preacher, we'd have fun there. The Holy Spirit filling brings comfort and removes fear. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you, this is Jesus, another comforter that he may abide with you forever. See, Jesus knows he can't be with them forever. He knows in the flesh he can't do what he wanted to do. He couldn't be everywhere at one time, but the Holy Spirit can be. And then in uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid or, or fearful, but gives us a power and love and self-discipline. That's what he did in the book of Acts. He ha helped them to be bold and to be strong and not to be fearful. And then John 16.13, but when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will, he will guide you into all truth. So if I needed guidance, if, if I needed wisdom, I would pray. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask. And I would say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. I need you to fill me, to give me a wisdom that I cannot attain on my own. What keeps people from receiving the Holy Spirit? This is a three-part class, all in one part. Hold on, here we go. What keeps us from being filled with the Holy Spirit? Number one, resisting the Holy Spirit. I have never read a verse where the Holy Spirit took a cry bar and a jackhammer and entered into people's hearts. No, he's an open heart surgeon. You open your heart, he comes in and does surgery. You re resist him by, well, Acts 7.51. This is not about you, but there are people that are stiff-necked. You stiff-necked people, you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. In, in other words, and this is a fascinating study, if we had time on this. In other words, they knew the Holy Spirit. They could feel him moving. They could feel him speaking through their conscience. They could, they, could, they, could, they could sense him whispering to them, and they resisted him. I don't want any of that. I, I, I don't, don't, don't want to do that. You know what I, what I do as a pastor? I pray all the time that God, by his spirit, would lead me and direct me so that LFC is the church he wants it to be. Not what I want it to be. Not what I say it should be. Lord, you're the Lord of the church. 
And just like your family, just like your personal life, just like your finances, whatever it is that you're dealing with in life, to say, Holy Spirit, I lay all this at your feet. I don't want to be stiff-necked. I don't want to be stiff in the clouds, stiff-necked, better than you, arrogant, pompous. I want to be surrendered to you, and I don't want to always resist. I never want to resist your spirit. And then the second thing is that we have desires that are against the Holy Spirit, desires against. Um, the word desire is emotional wanting. Or deep in your heart, emotionally, you want something that you're not supposed to have, and you become consumed by the want. You become permeated, not by the spirit, but by the flesh. Now, we all know that there's a war going on inside. If, if you're trying to live for God, you know this. Galatians 5 says, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify, come on, the desires of the flesh, this emotional wanting. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. If you are doing your best to follow Christ, you know this reality. Paul talks about it in Romans 7. He says, the things I want to do, I can't do. And the things I think I can do, I don't do. And I want to serve God and I can't serve God. And, oh, wretched man that I am. I love that. Who will deliver me from this present evil? He doesn't blame anybody. He said, it's me. He said, oh, I thank God for Jesus Christ. And he welcomes the work of Christ. He welcomes the work of the Spirit in his life because he knows, this is Paul again, that they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. There's a war going on, and we, we all face it. The third thing is grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit. If you've ever grieved the Holy Spirit, you just need to stop and repent because after a while, he'll say, well, they would rather follow their desires. They would rather grieve me than receive me. Grieve me than receive me. So I'll just let them do their thing. I don't want the Holy Spirit to say that, that my heart's not open for him or that my family's not open for God's favor or blessing or that our church is not open to all that God has for us. Ephesians 4, 29 to 32 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Would you read the rest with me, please? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. To grieve means to cause incredible amount of pain or great amount of sorrow. Oswald Sanders said, grieve is a loved word. You can anger your enemies, you can frustrate your enemies, but only loved ones can be grieved. We grieve the loss of a loved one because we love them. And this Holy Spirit who loves us can be grieved because he knows there's a better way for us to live and how we, in this passage, treat each other. Treat each other. Get rid of bitterness. Why? Because it will consume you. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Remember what I said? Religious leaders were filled with anger. And it permeated their being. It, it took over their life. Number four, quenching and rejecting the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. The, the same word quench is used in Ephesians 6. 
when it talks about the fiery darts of the enemy, that we quench the fiery darts. And so we have these shields, and, and he, he would throw these darts of fire to try to catch the shields on fire, but they would wet their shield, or they would wet the gloves that they would put on their hands, and these darts of fire would come, and they would quench them. It's the same word. And, and, and he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't quench him. In other words, if the fire of the Spirit is moving in you and trying to move through you, don't throw cold water on what he's doing. Open to what he's doing. Open when you have an encounter with your friend and it's not going well, or maybe you and your, your, your spouse or your, your kids or grandkids had an argument, and the Holy Spirit whispers something used like this, stop yelling. <laughs> or like last week's sermon, love like you've never been hurt. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness, and the Lord will forgive you. Ask for my, my presence and my grace in the middle of what you're going through. Well, I don't know. That, that, that's, a, that's a quenching of him. Um, when we say no to the Holy Spirit over time, we cease hearing him at all. When we say no to him over time, when we push back on him, when we resist him, eventually we stop hearing him. We don't hear him anymore. He just simply says, well, I'll go speak to somebody else who, who will listen. I was um, a basketball coach, and um, I knew nothing about basketball except we just played it in the yard, you know. And, and uh, I was a senior in high school. They put out this notice at the high school said, we're desperate for coaches. We don't have enough. And, and uh, anybody want to volunteer? So I, I went to this meeting. They gave me 20 minutes of coaching. And uh, they gave me 11 kids. Now, I didn't know that there were previous coaches that had these kids on their teams, first and second, third and fourth, fifth and sixth. You know, they, they work them up, and they, they go and get them again. I got the misfit toys. If no one coaches, these kids cannot play. I got 11 of the most cantankerous, wild kids you could imagine. I'm a senior in high school. I had a father ejected from the, from the gym. Think about that one. Because he wouldn't stop yelling at me. And all I was trying to do was coach. And I said, why don't you come coach? No, it's not for me. But he yelled at me the whole time. Yeah. His boy would not listen to anything I said. And so this one particular game, he wanted his son to start, tallest kid on our team, and I said, you can't start today because you never listen in practice. But see, when you're a coach, you're not just trying to win games. I know some, some coaches, that's all there. We've got to build character as well. And I, I looked at this kid, and I said, you're going to sit out the first quarter because you don't listen in practice. His dad came unglued. Ah! You know? And every time I think of rejecting the Holy Spirit, I see myself in that kid and his Dad, the coach, that I, the father that I had ejected from the gym, I went over to the, to the scorekeeper's thing and talked to the referee and said, can we kick him out? It's in the, it's in the policy manual. They kicked him out. He was, huh? Huh? Now, I know it's silly, but that's an illustration that every time I reject the Holy Spirit, I see that dude's face. And I hear a whisper, you're like him. And his son was just like him, too. He wouldn't listen to you at all. You know, he wouldn't listen at all. 
I don't want to be like that. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Speak into my soul. You see, when, when you say no to the Holy Spirit over time, you cease hearing him at all. God has made no provision. I want you to get this. He's made no provision for you to live the Christian life only for him by the Holy Spirit to live his life through you. See, some people believe I get saved and it's up to me to do everything. No, no, no. I get saved and it's up to me to let God do everything through me. I cooperate. I don't just sit back in a spiritual lazy boy chair or a hammock and never work. That's not what I'm saying. But what this, this statement says is that the Holy Spirit works with us, that the Holy Spirit lives his life through us, that, that he permeates our being, that he takes over control. So let's talk quickly about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we'll be done in four minutes. I could do it. Okay. Recognize your need to be filled. So this is your life, and you, you do everything you can do with the power that you have. I can bend these fingers. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. And you live your life and you do all you can. But that's a great day when you let the Holy Spirit live inside of you, like this hand in this glove. And I say, Lord, would you do things with me and through me that I can't do on my own? Would you, would you permeate me in such a way that I become the person you want me to be, the brother, the sister, the friend, the husband, the wife, the mom, the dad, the kid, whatever you call me to do, that you'll empower me. So I recognize that I need to be filled with him. Not just do my own thing and do it my way and, and, and be like a glove, but no, I, I, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. Number two, we confess and repent all of our sins. Just tell him. By the way, the Holy Spirit doesn't fill dirty Christian hearts. Good morning. He doesn't fill dirty Christian hearts. He fills cleansed hearts. That's why the, 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 the Scripture is so great, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, he does what? He forgives us and cleanses us. And then we say, Holy Spirit, I repent of every sin that I know. By the way, if there are sins you don't know about you, ask the people closest to you. They'll tell you about your sins. Yeah, they will. Just ask them. Anything I need to know about? Well, since you asked, go for it. Go for it. Then repent of everything. And then number three, surrender yourself completely to God's purposes. Lord, whatever you want from me, whatever you want to do in my life, through my life, what do you want me to serve, Lord? What do you want me to give, Lord? What about my life? What about generosity? What, Lord, what would you say to me? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, let's read it. Don't you realize that your body is a... Who lives and was given to you? You don't belong to yourself. Well, yeah, I do. It's all about me. No. It's all about your surrender to the Lord. And then number four, ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask him. Spirit filling can be defined in the Greek, translated to the English, to be totally influenced, to be totally permeated, to be totally open. So, your homework assignment is the list I just gave you. Recognize your need. 
I need you, Holy Spirit. God the Father, I, I need your Holy Spirit. Confess and repent of all your sins. Surrender yourself completely to God's purposes and then say, Lord, fill me. What would it be like if every morning you started your day without the to-do list that God has to do for you and you just said, Lord, before I even say a request, I'm just going to ask you, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you, you take your word, would you make it alive inside of me? Would you fill my relationships today with your spirit? Would you fill my mouth as I speak to people today? Some, someone's going to need to know about you, Jesus. Would you give me the ability to say words to them that will somehow touch their heart? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.